Well, guys, I imagine just like you, myself, my family, the leaders here at the Springs, we spend a lot of time watching the news. And perhaps if you're like me, you're like us, America seemed over the past week to go through a transition. A transition of knowing COVID-19 is serious. COVID-19, we need to take necessary precaution steps. But this transition of, okay, we got to take it serious to a whole different level of severity, a whole different level of national emergency, national response. It's one of those that impacts people at every level. My friend um, was out of town traveling with him. It's Cole. His wife, Jen, was shopping at the local HEB here in New Braunfels this week, and she went there to go get goods, to kind of stock up. One, because she knew everything that was coming, but also it's just part of the routine. They needed to go get some things. And she sent him, and I was with him, and I saw these photos, some pictures. I, I imagine some of you that have been to HEB or you've tried to go through Costco, you've seen this as well. But this is what she found when she went to Costco. We got a few photos that I want to show you guys. This right here, this is obviously the banana section right? And you can come and you see some here, but then most gone. You think, all right, there's still some food. But then we keep going and we see the next one. This right here, you can see a completely out of stock bread aisle. You continue going on and then you come, all right, well, you got to get meat. You look at that. This is a whole picture of the entire meat section there at HEB. You can zoom in. The only thing left here, you, you can't see it from there, but zoom in on the photo. It's ground up, not beef, not turkey, but like bit sausage. That's why that's still left. And then you come and you look at one more aisle. Guys, this is the toilet paper and paper towel aisle. What is this show? I had a friend who was at HEB this morning. That'd be Sunday morning. He was there about 7.15. By that time, doors were still closed. HEB wasn't even going to open until 8. Doors were still closed. And the line went all the way down past, if you know the location, past a subway, easily 200 yards. And the line was stacking up. Now, HEB did a phenomenal job caring for people, hosting, reminding, we will restock. There's no need to panic. But guys, we just see this response in the midst of confusion, fear, worry. What does it mean that a pandemic has struck the world? Uh, Two days ago, I was reading an article in the New York Times where, where they came and they did a breakdown where they looked at four different scenarios of how many people in the U.S. would be infected based on what precautionary steps that we took. The worst-case scenario at that point, this was two days ago, things are constantly changing. The worst-case scenario at that point, if steps weren't taken, would be there would be in between 160 million to 214 infected people. Now, does that mean that they're all hospitalized? Does that mean that they all become uh, gravely ill? Does that mean that they all pass away? No. But guys, those are staggering numbers. That's tremendous. What has gripped the nation is something we didn't see, but it's here, and now we have to respond. Like so many folks, whenever something like this happens, we tend to have two different default responses, two different default, almost like fallen nature reactions, if you will. And this is true, believer, non-believer. One reaction is we can tend to go the way of anxiety, fear, panic, we're marked by crisis, where we are freaking out. It's like we come and we put every wall around our life. It's not social distancing. It's self-quarantine to the max. And we've become all of a sudden preppers preparing for the end of the world because this is it. And we are driven by fear. Church, that's you. That's an error. The other way that I think a lot of times we can miss it, believer and non-believer, 
it's not, and we just self-control and we try to shut down everything in fear and worry and anxiety. Once we go the other direction, it's this cavalier, indifferent mindset where we come and we scoff at the news and we say this isn't real and you can't listen to the medical experts and you shouldn't trust what people are saying. This is all hype. It's all hype. Here's the thing, guys. To be over-involved in panic is to forsake the truth that God is sovereign, he loves you, and he's always in control. That your protection, it ultimately rests in him. It's to be completely self-centered. To go the way of cavalier and different, looking down, I don't need to do anything, this doesn't matter, we should just meet, this is foolishness. It's the reverse side of being selfish. It's not looking out for the care of others. It's not living in humility in consideration of what others would say. Both of these are in error. So how are we as a church? How are we as a people? How are we as followers of Jesus Christ meant to respond? That's what I want to talk about today. What I want to spend the time talking about is how we as followers of Jesus, we are a people that are meant to be marked by peace, not panic how because we know the love, the grace, and the gift of Jesus Christ, how because of that, we don't live in fear the way the rest of the world does. We are not meant to be marked by panic, but peace. How because we know the love, the grace, and the gift of Jesus Christ, we are not meant to be inconsiderate of others, to have a cavalier mindset. We're meant to be loving and sacrificial as we have an opportunity now, church. And this is what I'm, t- I'm t- sharing as we have an opportunity now, we have a huge advantage. When I talk about the church of Jesus Christ having an advantage, that is never to minimize the tragedy, the loss of life, the impact to the global, the the national economy, the local economy, to the jobs, to the people wondering about their retirement account. It is never to minimize that. But we, as God's people, we are always praying for God. Help us to be light in the midst of darkness. Help us to remind people we have clarity when they have confusion, that death is not the end. There's a God in heaven who loves them. COVID-19, with all the tragedy, with all the broken faults, the church of God has an opportunity. Why? We get the chance to show the world we are people that are not marked by panic. We are marked by peace, love, self-control, joy. Why? Our citizenship is in heaven. But how do we do that? Like practically, what does that look like? As you go about your day, as you think through, well, do I commute to work? Do I go to the grocery store? Do I show up in large gatherings? Do I avoid it all? How do we do that? Because guys, we know it's error to go the way of panic, fear, anxiety. We know it's error to go the way of cavalier, indifferent, self-centered mindset. But in between those, what does Scripture say that informs how you and how I should respond and love as God's people? That's what we're going to look at. We're going to talk about five biblical principles that should inform how Christians respond to COVID-19, to the coronavirus situation. Those five principles that we're going to walk through are trust, vigilance, service, wisdom, and grace. One of the things that we're going to be doing this morning that's a little different, obviously besides the fact we're not gathering on site in person, is we're just going to be jumping around to verses. It's going to be a topical discussion where we look and we see what would God say? What are principles that should inform how I care for my family? You care for yours. You care for your friendships. I care for mine. And we navigate the weeks ahead. Are there more principles in this? I imagine there are. I think these are the five that God wants to focus on in our time together now.
So you'll see these. They'll be right here on the screen to my side as we track through. But the first one we want to address is trust. The, the foundational verse that we're going to look at to see how we trust, it's Psalm 127, verse 1. Psalm 127, verse 1. Uh, this is a psalm written by Solomon. Solomon was the wisest man who ever lived. He says this, Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. It's speaking to how any human endeavor, if God is not with it, it is not a lasting, glorious endeavor. You always need God's support and help. The second part of the verse, though, this is where I really want to focus our time. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. Guys, as we remind ourselves the biblical principles of how we respond, how we are to be a people of peace, not panic, the first principle is trust. The reason I love this passage is it really sets up this, this tension, this balance, where the first part of this passage, it says, unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchmen watch in vain. It speaks to this truth that we are watchmen. We take wise, necessary precautions, steps to care for ourselves and others. Those at high risk, those at low risk, we love them all. Watchmen. But who is the ultimate watchman? It is God in heaven. Who is the ultimate protector of you and me? It is God in heaven. In peace I will lie down and sleep. For you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. That he's our refuge. He is our rock. He's never been surprised by COVID-19. He didn't enact it. He's not the author of evil, but he allowed it. He knows it. We trust God. Why can you trust a God in heaven? Because that same God in heaven saw you and me and my foolishness and your foolishness and your sin. Instead of demanding that you and I work our way to him to be a better version, to get it together, to stop acting sinful, he died for you. And he died for me. The son Jesus Christ paid the penalty for everything. He died on a cross and three days later he rose from the grave proving this is all true. And now he looks at you and he says, believe in me. Just believe in me. And with belief comes trust. That's why your Bible says things like Hebrews 9 verse 27. It says that it is appointed for man to die once. And after that comes judgment. Do you know that for the Christian right? This is true of every person, but for the Christian, what informs our view of trusting and depending in God is the reality that the day of our death, we don't run to it, we don't hasten it, we steward this life well, but the day of our death, it was always an appointment. It is never an accident. It's a divine appointment that God has. We are immortal until God brings us home. With that, we trust. Romans 8, 28, it's a, it's a famous passage many people use where it speaks to how God brings even the difficulties of this world and he uses them for your good Christian and for mine. Does that mean we understand? No. Does that mean we relish in the pain and the tragedy, the confusion and the chaos? No, it doesn't mean any of that. But it means in the midst of a world that's going the way of confusion, darkness, chaos, panic, crisis, we are not in crisis, we are in Christ. He holds us. He loves us. He has removed the sting of death. We trust. We depend on him. Why this matters so much is the opportunity that we have. The world should see in the church, the people of God, a sense of stability. Not a foolish cavalier mindset, 
but a sense of stability. Even in church history, if I had more time, we'd talk about it. God's people have always been marked by this throughout pandemics. It's our opportunity. It's our turn. Do we relish in the pain? No. But do we forsake depending on God? Never. Let's look at the second principle that informs how you and I, how we are meant to be people of peace, not panic. The second one, it's going to be out of Proverbs 27, 12. This is a verse, it's a wisdom verse that applies to so many things at so many times. Proverbs 27, verse 12. The prudent sees danger coming and hides himself, but the simple go on and they suffer for it. The second part, the, the, the second principle that informs how you and I should respond is vigilance. It's vigilance. This word here, prudence, it means wisdom, which means vigilance. It's this foresight of saying, I can look into the future, I can see trouble coming, I can see danger approaching. And what does the prudent, what does the vigilant, what does the wise do? They hide themselves. They respond appropriately. They take the necessary precautionary steps for themselves and others. And they do something about it. What happens to the simple? They go on and they suffer for it. That's why in reality of COVID-19, coronavirus, it's wise, it is loving, it is caring that you take necessary precautionary steps to care for yourself, your family, and especially those who are at higher risk. When I share higher risk, I imagine many of you know this, but this would be parts of our older population as well as those who are immunocompromised. Does that mean you should neglect this around anybody? No. But does that mean is there a special, tender care towards those? Absolutely. Why? We are marked by vigilance. We are not cavalier, foolish people overusing the sovereignty of God as we go crusading into the night. That, for, that far more often is marked by a foolish arrogance than it is a biblical, humble wisdom. We have a chance to show the world that neighbors in the midst of a pandemic make the best, excuse me, that Christians in the midst of a pandemic make the best neighbors. This is why you should take seriously when places like the CDC, they're talking about the simple ways to prevent the spread of the disease. Christians should take seriously the call to wash hands. That if you feel sick, to obviously stay home, to self-quarantine, to create social distance. Do I think, by the way, that that means you have to overdo it and not see friends, not gather with your community group? No, I'm going to try to do that this week. But does that mean that you don't take not necessary precautionary steps? No. Does that mean that you don't use wisdom? No. Does that mean that you don't listen to medical experts and the consensus and alignment of what the medical community is saying? Never. It looks like if you're mildly sick, you need wisdom and vigilance to think through. How do you call a provider? It looks like if you're wondering if you're sick, that you think through how we don't overwhelm emergency rooms, how we don't shut down the healthcare system for those who are in actual need. We're vigilant. We trust in the sovereign care of God. He's our protector. But as we do that, we are watchful. We are vigilant. Let's look at the third principle. The third principle informing how we're people of peace, not panic. It's service. It's service. The verse I want to I focus on for this, it's Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 through 4. It's one we've talked about in our series through Philippians. It says, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. Do 
nothing, but in humility, count others more significant than yourself. As we talk about how we're people of peace, not panic, we must be marked by service. Like right now, we are in the midst of a time where people are building walls around themselves. They are creating the moat around their life. They are raising the drawbridge, and it is us and ours, us versus the world. All of a sudden, everybody became a prepper, right? This is the chance we have to not be selfish, to not hoard, to still serve, to still love and give and care for sacrificially. I, I heard a story uh, just the other day about how someone, they were out at the Costco here towards Selma. They're at the Costco and they saw somebody, they'd gone to Costco, they got the whole tray, they loaded up stacks on stacks, all this kind of stuff. They loaded up all this and they are loading their groceries and their materials into the back of a car, right? They're focused on that. They're looking at that. They're loading their car. As they're doing that, there's another person driving by in a car. That person driving by looks at their car and they seize that precious golden amount of toilet paper. They see that toilet paper and right now, if you don't know this, don't take advantage of it, but that toilet paper is essentially gold. You could sell that. They come and they walk by and they see the toilet paper and they just steal it straight off the person's cart, throw it in the car, and then they drive off. Christians don't steal toilet paper. We are people who come and say, in my excess, take. We are people who come and say, if you're trying to avoid the grocery store, I already have a trip going. What can I get you while I'm there? We are people who say, out of my abundance here. We are people who go and knock on neighbors' doors and say, is there anything we can do to help you? And then when they come and they say, well, why would you do that? Why would you give in your need? We say, because that's what Jesus Christ has done for us. That's what he models. That's why we are people of peace, not panic. We are givers. We walk in the light. We, we shine brightest in the midst of darkness. We have an opportunity, church. COVID-19, in the midst of the tragedy, in the midst of the pain, we have an advantage. We plead for the chance to represent God, to be his people, to be ministers of reconciliation. Let's do that. Let's steward that. We walk in service. We are sacrificial because we know a different love from God, we live a different way. Let's look at the fourth principle that informs biblically how we respond, how we are people of peace, not panic. The fourth principle I want to talk about, it's wisdom. The key verse that I want to reference as we do this, it's James 1.5. Right? As we talk about wisdom, it's James 1.5. It says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. Wisdom. One of the things that I've imagined you've felt is what I've felt, the other leaders of the springs, what we've all felt over this past week. Information is constantly changing. New, new, new data is coming out to where we have to constantly be adapting. And what I want to share with you, church, is here's what wisdom knows. Wisdom knows today's plans may or may not be enough. For tomorrow's problems. I'll say that again. Today's plans may or may not be enough for tomorrow's problems. So what should Christians be doing? Christians should be fighting to stay informed. 
to not huddle, to not build a remote wall to where we just isolate in perpetuity, but to where we know, okay, this is what's taking place. This is how we can be praying. These are the wise precautionary steps that we can be taking. This is how our local hospitals are doing. This is how we might need to go and serve and care when others won't. They're asking God for wisdom because they know their plan today may not be the right plan for tomorrow. And they adjust accordingly. Those adjustments could lead to more freedom, greater reunion, in-person gatherings, or it may lead to stricter steps to care for others, to care for family, to care for friends. We are meant to be marked by wisdom because when we're not, guys, we show the world the wrong contrast or the lack thereof to say it. Like here's what's true. A fool, Proverbs 18.2 says, a fool takes no pleasure in understanding but only in expressing their own opinion. A fool takes no pleasure in understanding. That should never be God's people. That should never be his church. We should be the ones listening, learning, not not calling ourselves the experts, submitting our care to the experts that say, these are the wise steps to care for you and to care for others. We should be doing that. That's wisdom. You know what wisdom always is? Wisdom is always humble. Wisdom is always teachable. Right? Your Bible says, instruct a righteous man, he will be still wiser. Teach a wise man and he will increase in learning. We should be the most teachable people, most ready to respond. Why? Because we know love, we live a different way. That's what it means to be marked by peace. It mean, it's what it means to not go by the way of panic. Wisdom. Let's look at the fifth principle that informs how we are meant to respond to COVID-19, to coronavirus what informs how you and I, we are people of peace, not panic. The fifth principle is grace. Grace. When I say that, obviously, so many of us, if you grew up in church or you're a believer in Jesus, you think of grace that you receive from Jesus Christ. Grace that it's just by faith, by believing in him, you have a relationship, you're going to heaven, he loves you, you're changed, you're chosen. That's absolutely part of it, but really what I mean here is not just your relationship with God, but how that relationship with God impacts your relationship with others. The key verse I want to focus on here, and I'm going to explain a little bit more before and after it, but it's Romans 14, verse 5. It's Romans 14, verse 5. It says, One person esteems one day as better than another, while another esteems all days alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. If you know the context of Romans 14, your Bible, it may have a note out to the side where it says, love for the weaker brother, or it may say, do not judge one another. It's the Apostle Paul, he's talking about engaging with believers in Jesus Christ who felt a freedom and then who did not feel a freedom. To eat meat sacrificed to idols and say, no, you're fine. Those are fake idols. You can eat whatever you want. Or to say, no, because it has been that, I'll be a vegetarian. Right? The context there, it's essentially an example of what, what Christians, we call freedom of conscience. What that means is there's areas where it's not necessarily black and white sin. And what navigates in those areas, it's biblical wisdom. The guardrails that Christians have to avoid are, is the way of panic. It's worry, it's fear, anxiety. It's having a spirit that is not marked by timidity, but living in a spirit that is sincerely and the power of love and self-control. We can't go the way of panic. We also can't go the way of a cavalier, indifferent, selfish attitude. 
But in avoiding those two sinful extremes, those two sinful responses, there's freedom in between there. There's freedom in individual Christians, families, schools, churches, governing authorities saying, hey, here's the best way to respond. Here's a different way. There's freedom in families saying, hey, I want to schedule with necessary wise precautions a play date this week. And families saying, hey, I think we're going to stay home. There's freedom in community groups gathering with necessary precautions in community groups saying, hey, hey, I think I'm just going to stay home. We don't ever take coronavirus as a chance off from pursuing the things of God. We never do that. But do we extend grace as people who know God and who love God respond differently to this? Yes. Christians will have different convictions. Non-Christians will have different convictions. And so because of that, may we be seen to be people who respect, who love, and who honor different convictions. We're not people who jump online and mock people and tear people down. We're not people who jump online and create mocking language that removes from the reality of the situation. We're people who love, who honor, and who respect. But when we see Christians giving way to fear, when we see Christians giving way to panic, not living in Christ, but remaining in a sense of crisis, we love them. We encourage them. We admonish them. We tell them, walk in a way of peace. You have an opportunity to let light shine. Light shines brightest in darkness. Church, we cannot miss the opportunity. God has sent you to love. He sent me to love. That's why. We're a people that's marked by peace, not panic. We avoid the extremes of overdoing fear, anxiety, and paranoia, and overdoing this sinful, cavalier, uh, selfish mindset. And we walk in biblical principle, heeding God, walking by faith, trusting in him. How do we do it? We trust. God is sovereign. He is in control. He knows your life. He's your ultimate source of protection. He is the ultimate watchman. We walk from there with a sense of vigilance. It's right that the prudent, they see danger coming, they hide themselves. We take necessary precautions to care for ourselves and others, especially the most at risk in our community. We come and we walk with a sense of service. We have an opportunity here to live sacrificially, to be generous, to be giving, to be kind, to be loving, to be marked in a different way. We do not forsake that opportunity. We knock on doors, we connect with neighbors, we love. We say, I'm taking trips. What do you want? What can I get you? What do you need? You don't have the money. Don't worry about the money. Here it is. We're marked by service. Fourth thing we're marked by is wisdom. Today's plans, the the plan of the national government, the local government, the, the, the springs, your family, it may or it may not be the right step for tomorrow's problems. That's why we are constantly reassessing. That's why we at the Springs will constantly be updating information as it comes available to love and care for you, to inform our community. We're constantly looking for ways we can serve, and that's ever-changing. We walk in wisdom. And what do we do? We extend grace. We know that people have a freedom of conviction. They may view it one way, they may view it another. We respect, we honor, and we love. But where we see believers in Jesus Christ either being cavalier and not caring and considering others as more significant, or going the way of fear, panic, and anxiety, we admonish. 
we call that out in love because that's not who we are. We are a people of peace, not panic. Church, we have a tremendous opportunity. Light shines brightest in darkness. Shine bright in a different way. I had the privilege to watch a family do this uh, yesterday, and I'll close with this. I had the privilege to watch a family do this yesterday. Many of you know Garrison Price. He's our uh, youth pastor. He's our young adult pastor. His brother Michael has been battling cancer for 16 months. About a week ago, God brought Michael home to be with him in heaven. Yesterday, I had the privilege going to a celebration of life for Michael. I got to see what Christians do in the midst of panic, grief, despair, sadness, longing in the midst of mourning. I got to see how Christians, I was reminded, we're a strange people. We sing at funerals. We, we are a strange people. Then in the midst of funerals, we remind ourselves of hope. We remind ourselves of love. We tell ourselves that in Christ, it's not forgotten. We will see them again. I got to see people Family members stand up and sing songs about the love, the kindness, and the mercy of God, his faithfulness, even though their friend, their brother, their son was no longer with them. Him leaving behind a wife, two-year-old boy, in the midst of the despair, they were light. In the midst of the panic, they had peace. There was this moment where the parents, they, uh, they asked the entire family to stand up. I've, I've never seen this at a celebration of life service. I've never seen this. They asked the family to stand up. They turned the family around. The family addressed all those. And Matthew, he had so many people there. There were so many people whose lives he'd impacted, so many people whose lives he's touched, just hearing the stories of his faithfulness. And the family, they had him, the family stand up. And the mom and dad stood there and they announced to the stage, we want to declare something to you that we love our boy, we miss our boy, that there's real mourning, real despair, but in the midst of the mourning, we have hope. And he used language that comes out of the book of Joshua where they said, as for me and my family, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We will choose the Lord. And I watched Matthew's mom in partnership with his dad talk about how their family in the midst of the pain would not curse God, they would cling that they would say that God is good, that they don't forsake the reality of the difficulty, the mourning, and the loss. But in the midst of that, they preach the truth that God in heaven loves them. He loves Matthew, that he's seen Matthew. Matthew's now healed. He didn't lose the battle with cancer. He stands and he sees the risen Christ. That Matthew fully understands what we fight to understand. Church, Philippians 1, verse 21, it's this famous passage that summarizes what I saw exemplified yesterday. For to us, to live is Christ. If we're here in this life, we're going all in on Jesus. We are missionaries sent into the world. For us to live is Christ. And to die, it's gain. The truth that in that Matthew loved his family, honored his family, blessed his family, cared for his wife, loved his son, but he now knows the gain of what it means to be in the presence of God. Church, that's your future. I heard a pastor share that a healthy life is what just delays the inevitable point for a believer in Jesus, of meeting Jesus. 
Does that mean we rush to that moment? No. Does that mean we fight, we disciple ourselves to look forward to that moment? Yes. Church, we are people of peace, not panic. As for you and your house, believer, you will praise the Lord. You must serve the Lord. You will choose the Lord. We are representatives of light, not darkness. Light shines in the midst of darkness. We steward this well. Do we take all the necessary precautions to care for ourselves and others? Absolutely. But do we live in the reality of a loving, kind, sovereign God who's forgiven us of sins and sends us out to on his behalf, him making an appeal to implore with people to turn to be reconciled to Christ every single day. Coronavirus or not. Let me pray that you would do that. Let me pray that I would do that. Jesus, I thank you for the example of the Price family, of the legacy of Matthew, and everything that you've done through him. I pray you continue to protect, heal, support, bless and honor that family. I thank you for the example it gave me, that it gives the springs, that in the midst of the difficulty of the darkness, which for us, it's not grieving like that. It's a virus. It's a pandemic that's coming across the nation where we don't know what it will be. We don't know how to respond. We don't know if we have enough, and we want to bring the right sense of care. We don't know if we should go to the grocery store or if we should stay home for fear of being around too many people. God, in the midst of all of it, would you make us people of peace, not panic? Would you help us to walk in love, walk in faith, walk in trust? Thank you that you modeled that through Jesus. Thank you that you love us. Help us to go and love the world. It's in your name we pray, amen. Well, guys, thank you for joining us for this live stream. Again, I want to remind you that the church body, Springs, will be sending out an email update, website, and then through social media this afternoon, letting you know our steps and our plan for this week. You can always come back and check that. That'll be the way that we'll keep you updated throughout the week. But this week, just like every other week, here's what we call you to. Have a great week of worship, whether in person or online. We'll see you next Sunday. God bless.